0: Welcome to another lovely Tuesday in Kansas City for the 8160 with Chris Aguirian. And have you noticed this? Like, every Tuesday has been a gorgeous night this summer. I've been really lucky. Is that, is that real? I mean, I wasn't here last week. How was last week? <laughs> like, um, I don't remember. Was it a nice Tuesday? I think it was nice.
1: It was probably warm.
0: <laughs> I'm really excited about this month. I'm really, I, I'm really excited, excited about all the time. Today. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. This is the 8160 here on the bridge, and uh, the goal of this show is to shine a light on Kansas City music, but we're stepping back from that a little bit uh, during the month of August, and we are doing something that it started as a silly idea, and I, I'm loving it every more uh, loving it more and more every day. But we've invited in this, this month, every Tuesday, the different promoters that book your favorite bands in your favorite venues around town. Uh, last week we had Mike Ducharme in from the Midland, uh, and hopefully you have tickets to Fleet Foxes tonight, which that show's going on. Uh, they go on, uh, the opener's on at eight o'clock. Uh, This week, we're joined by Frank Hicks of Knuckleheads, which I'm really excited about. And then the following three weeks, we're going to be joined with Pat Fielder of Mammoth, Mm -hmm. Jackie Becker of Up to 11 Productions, and Brett Mostman of Pipeline Productions. And I'm still amazed everyone said yes.
0: So much fun, man.
1: What I did, you know what I did? I, I made the artwork, and I just sent it to everyone, and everyone agreed. That's it's it's awesome. just crazy how it all worked out. Everyone agreed.
0: Well it's a good community. I mean Kansas City, I think that just just not even like the musicians. I think it extends on even into the promoters and everybody in the field. It's a pretty it's And a pretty so, so many people. Town.
1: So many people want to glimpse into your world, Frank, as
2: as the person that oh, yeah, I really don't. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably do, very though. true. We do. Maybe they just maybe we all just felt uh, we had to do it after you did artwork. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. Everyone said, Yeah, that sounds cool. I'll do that. My um, you name's on her Can't quit
1: now. Yeah, usually I have a lead into the show, and I, I guess I want to plug on Thursday night at Record Bar is a great show. Camp, they're coming back. They played at Middle of the Map, and opening up for them is a band called Quirk and Ruckus, which is a side project of Katie Gean and the girls. Thursday night at Record Bar, I'm really looking forward to that. And to plug a show down at Knuckleheads Saturday, Los Loney Boys and Los Lobos are playing. Big show. Grab your tickets now and usually I, I would have more to talk about in this opening bit, but I just want to jump in uh, to, and talk to Frank for a while. Um, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Bring so it. I, I hope you're listening and I hope in your car it resonates when I say, I hope you've been to Knuckleheads. Yes. Because it's such an amazing space um, You know, it, for people who've traveled the country to see music and see venues. It's such a unique thing. Uh, you have, he's four stages. Uh, you know, there's the there's the the older room which mm-hmm. has the indoor stage which holds 250, 300 maybe yeah three hundred and then you've got the gospel lounge which is unbelievable. I, I'm doing all these weird hand motions on radio, <laughs> but it it, it I holds it. fifty people and it's just a beautiful place to come on, catch no a show. Don't kind of short. It's Sixty people. Sixty people. <laughs> <laughs> Sixty people. And then you have the outside which you can play with. You can you have a balcony. You can block the street off. You can do whatever you want out there. And then you have across the street, most recently opened the garage, which is that like 600? Uh, 720. 720. And you've outfitted it. I was in there right after you were turning it. And I walked in and you had this flatbed of TVs. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm gonna hang them everywhere. And you have your your shows advertised, uh, food from the, the comfy kitchen advertised all around. And you've made it this unbelievable home for music. And it, it's funny, because when musicians play there, you can feel it, that they love where they're at.
0: And can I just say, that is the coolest idea for a venue ever, particularly the garage. Like, being able to have, so if you've never been there, it's the garage, so it was an old garage, and the pit, the dance floor, the pit, is actually the old like garage pit, so you can sit anywhere in the bar and see what's going on on stage, because the people who are dancing are below eye level which is brilliant. Why do not all venues do this? Like, it's genius. I love knuckleheads so much.
1: One thing in my notes I wanted to point out about you, Frank, is you're one of the people that I can email at 4 a.m., and I'll get an email back at 4.02 a.m. Haven't went to bed yet. (laughs) How many hours a week do you think you work? And I'm counting work. If you're in the venue, that's working. I mean, it's got to be. Ninety That's, to a hundred. I, I was gonna say at least eighty to ninety. Yeah, at least. It, it, it's it's staggering what you've pulled off down there, and I mean running. You know, sometimes you've got twenty shows a week, between mm-hmm. twenty plus shows a week right. with
2: four stages going. Um, I I don't know how you do it all. We're getting ready to add a fifth stage too, so that means we can do. It are more. you kidding? <laughs> 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 no, we really are in the Where? garage. Awesome. In the garage, when you first walk in, with a big lawn bar set.
1: So you just you, so you'll just open the back part of the garage. Yeah. yeah. Just because you wanted... Yeah, like a piano bar or something
2: like that. Would you have like an extra PA and you're like, what am I going to do with this? Well, we got extra PA. we build got grand stage. piano sitting down here. Got that band band piano. is awesome. That That's is awesome. I already <laughs> talked to TJ from the Nash Brothers. He's going to start doing some piano bar deal down here. Nice. cool It'd be kind of cool, cool before venue. you go to another... Have an early show so you can come in there and have a drink and go see the other show.
1: Nice. Awesome. So I, have a, I have a bit of a timeline here that I, I just want to set about the, the area where you are. We were talking about this before the show. <clears throat> 1899 to 1907, where you are, is where Electric Park was. Electric Park was the inspiration for a very young uh, Kansas Cityan who would grow uh, grow up to change the world. His name, of course, is Walt Disney. uh, And he got his inspiration to build Disney World from hanging out in the Electric Park. And the part of the building that exists currently, where you have merch for sale uh, right by the bathrooms is a 130-year-old train house, uh, lodging house where the train conductors, people working on the railroad, would stay when they were working on the railroad. Correct. That's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. The wonder's still there. (laughs) (laughs) The Heim family owned the electric park. They owned everything. They had a brewery down there. Mm. In that brewery now, uh, John McDonald of Boulevard owns that building, and Rieger Whiskey's in that building. This is all in the area around the local pig uh, and then uh, what's their oh, – Pigwitch, the Pig the, witch, yeah. the food stand they have there. But the only thing down there now that still has the word heim on it, H-E-I-M, is the firehouse, the single-unit firehouse, which no fire truck in the world could fit in these days. Uh, but it's it's such a historic area, I, I, and you've made it, again, notable. Well, let's not use
2: historic, but definitely notable. I don't know if you knew, but the garage, when it before it was a garage, was the fire station that replaced that one. Is that right? Ah. And then, did you somewhere along the way, or
1: someone you bought it from, turned it into the semi painting place? I did. Yeah. You did. I remember meeting you way back when there were people painting semis in those bays. Mm-hmm. I bought it in nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Yeah. It's, okay. So let's let's continue down this path a little bit. So you were uh, you you were you had a car a car company uh, auto repair company called Mid Mid-Cit- Mid City Collision Repair. When did that open? It actually opened in nineteen sixty nine, and then it opened over here in nineteen eighty one. So that existed down there in eighty one, and then you had a passion for bikes, motorcycles, mm-hmm. and at one time you. Well,
2: lo- I didn't get that till later. Okay, But I mean I always had a passion then I had too many kids, and it. <laughs> then when Which, they got big enough. Then I got a passion back again, and that led, to, <laughs> and that led to too many bikes. <laughs> too many bikes, and then your lovely
1: wife Mary said. We should get rid. Of, you need to get rid of so many well, bikes. She couldn't get her
2: car in the garage anymore. She goes, Uh-oh. "What are you going to do?" I had eight motorcycles in the garage. I had some, <laughs> and I, I was always customizing I had them, adding little lifts and stuff. And she goes, "One free station. She said, the "They're like rabbits; they're multiplying." <laughs> what are you going to do? I said, "Well, you know," and it, the main thing I started the cycles for was because I was building so many bikes that buying parts at retail was so expensive. Oh. They said, "Well, if you start a store, you know, then you can get your parts half also. price." So what I did, you had to buy $100,000 parts a year. So I didn't wasn't buying that many, but I was buying probably 50 or 60 myself. So I had some other friends of mine who was doing the same thing. So Co-opt it, kind of? We kind of made a phony storefront out of know? it. I didn't really want to be another business. I just wanted to be where I could get my parts wholesale. And, right. And so then one friend told another friend, and pretty soon they was interrupting my business all day to go sell parts. And So I said, i got to get a counterman. So I hired a counterman. But then you got, you know, Insurers, counterman, you know, sure. all this stuff. You had payroll, you go. Oh, now I really got to sell parts. So <laughs> then I become a legitimate business, which I'd never wanted. You know? <laughs> and you 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 went past it, but I'm going to go back to it for a second. The
1: name of the bike shop we can't tech, we can't say on the radio, but it's Fog Cycles, correct? Which stands for freaking old guys. Right. Uh, use or your bad imagination. Abusers, whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's really funny, and 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 so you started hosting. You wanted people to come and hang out. People did come hang out. And so you built a, a put up a flatbed stage and people like Daniel Nicole would yeah. come down there and gig. And you wanted people to come, buy bikes, buy aftermarket stuff for their bikes and hang out. So you put out free beer. Correct. And they came. Oh yeah. In hordes. <laughs> in hordes. And, and before the show, I'm asking you like, did you have a friend that was a beer rep and hooked you up? You're like, no, I bought it all at Gilmer's. I did. <laughs>
2: I you didn't know, anybody buy into bar business. You
1: know? It's so funny. That's awesome. I mean, so then, tell the story. Tell the story uh, that I I t- I, w- I wasn't gonna say, but you can tell the story. No, go
2: ahead. What story you want? The oh. little boy. <laughs> okay. okay, Well, we had after when you work when you come down to buy parts. Then you know, it wasn't a street party. The street party. We did like four to five of those a year. But we had a regular Coke machine. Then we had another pop machine that had like BL Bud Light, ML Metal Light. you know. And so this guy comes in with his kid. You know, of course. Kids always, boys want to go shopping with their dad, so he goes in the store and asks his dad for a dollar to buy something. I didn't know if he was buying a candy bar or pop or what. He comes back with a beer. Oh, no. And I had a real good friend of mine who's uh, also an attorney. His name is Bill Sanders. And uh, he'd been telling me he should get legal. I said, nah, we're under the we're <laughs> radar down here. Nobody's going to know it. You know? And the other thing, the other thing was when, we, when this kid did that, I decided I should get legal, right? But when you go to the Liquor Control and tell them you have a motorcycle shop and you want a beer license, I'm sure it's impossible. Oh, right. oh yeah, they just you know it, they just thought that you know a bunch of bikers throwing chicken bones here and there and you know, <laughs> hell's in, I don't know what they thought. Yeah, you know, it
1: took a while to get get the license. Yeah. You know? Well, if you're just tuning in, this is the 8160 on 90.9 The Bridge, and we're lucky this week to have a special guest. Frank Hicks is hanging out with us. This is our second week in part of Promoter Month, where we've invited um, your fa- uh, the promoters who book your favorite rooms and your favorite bands in to hang out for a little while, and we're hearing some backstory on the crazy past of Knuckleheads, and, and it's a, a couple more points on my end over here, where in 2004, something interesting happened in Kansas City, and that was... What we all knew and love, if we're old enough, Grand Emporium, went through a terrible renovation. And it, became, it lost its allure of being a great blues club. And then you were, you were starting to build up your name, and it, got, it turned things, and your phone started blowing up,
2: right? I don't know how they found me, but yeah, they sort of <laughs> ages started saying, hey, you want to book so-and-so, you know.
1: And then in 2004, you booked your first national show, uh, Kenny Neal, Little Ed, uh, and Anthony Gomez. Gums, yeah. Gums. And that was the first show, national show well, you ever I, booked
2: there. I'm going to back up from a minute. The, really, the first show I would booked was Leon Russell. But he didn't He's show up. He's wearing a Leon he, Russell shirt He didn't show up because oh. I'm from, you know, I didn't know anything about this kind of business. I, you know, yeah. Yeah. to me, if you said, hey. I, want, I can't even imagine said, jumping in like that. They said, that. here's how much money we want for it. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can tell you what it was, but it didn't matter. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, I said okay I'll do it so I just you know I'm going to start doing this and you know start telling everybody hey we got Leon Russell coming July 10th and I looked at I think it was Pitch or I'm pretty sure it's Pitch I don't know one of these magazines Leon Rich at the Madrid Leon Russell at the Madrid Theater in July 10th I go how can that be you know? so I called the agent up and he goes well they offered $500 more 500 bucks. I said well you didn't tell me it was a bidding war I mean you told me X amount of dollars I said okay and I thought it was a done deal I never sent you a contract so I learned real quick, <laughs> you know, you need to have a contract. Yeah. But that's, he was actually the first one. Wow. And then uh, Anthony Gomes and Kenny Neal and the lead come after that. And so I thought, well, you know, I didn't spend that much money on, on Leon, which was pretty good money back in the day. Yeah. So I'm going to try three shows Thursday, Friday, and Saturday right in a row. Lose. And because the grain had head went under, yeah. not under, was sold. And uh, so I thought, well, let's try those. And see how they go because people are—they're starving for some blues, you know. And we was pretty much doing mostly blues anyway. Right. And uh, it, it sold real well, you know. I mean, one of the shows—I think the Thursday night show didn't do as good as the Friday and Saturday. But sure. They did good. Not that I, I didn't make a lot of money, but I, made, I paid for the band, and made, you know, made a little bit of money, and the people drunk, so you know, it's okay. So that's what kind of really started it. And then in 2008, you
1: were given an award that perhaps set you on the trajectory you're on now. From Memphis, uh, the KBA Award, which stands for Keeping Blues Alive Award, for mm-hmm. the best blues club in the country. It's, uh, it's everywhere. In, in the nation. world, yeah. in in wherever, mm-hmm. wherever in this planet. Club, yeah.
0: That is totally believable. That's crazy. If you have in been to Knuckleheads, that is totally believable.
1: How fast you got that, though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got that pretty fast. In a few years. <laughs> really did. Uh, and then now it's, it's here, and it's a treasure for all of us to enjoy. I know me and Sarah love uh, catching shows down there. Um, you mentioned that the first show that you booked, oh, well, the second show you booked, the actual first one that I played was Anthony Gomes and those other fellows down there. Um, I'd sent you a list of questions, and going to ask you some of those things now. But uh, of the shows... Can I, re- can I read my answer? No. <laughs> this, this I, I might have to remind you. Um, I asked you what your favorite show was down there, and then uh, you told me Burton Cummings. It was. Burton Cummings was the former lead singer and the keyboardist, of course, of the Guess Who. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that.
2: Well, I'd always been a big fan of the Guess Who, and they were when I was growing up, and in my prime, I guess you want to call it, whatever. Uh, Burton Cummings Guess Who was like real popular, and I loved him. And so, I mean, I followed them all along. And then they they broke up, and then Burton Cummings went on his own. He did a couple of albums, Stand Tall, and a couple other ones. Well, I go back and try to get some of these people that you know I was always real fond of, like the Leon Russells and the Burton Cummings. And it took a while to get Burton Cummings, but when I got him. It was kind of It was kind of funny how it happened. I got him, and and, uh, I had a friend of mine who was the driver pick up the band. Well, Burton lives down in L.A., and the band lives in Toronto. So the band come in, and I guess Burton's kind of a, I don't know, he he doesn't want to wait around, so he gets the very last flight he could possibly get. So the band come in like 5 o'clock, and they went down to downtown hotel. I can't remember which one it was. But anyway, uh, so my driver says, a friend of my driver says, I can't do this. It was 11:58 at the airport. I can't stay up that late. <laughs> he gets he gets up early, and that's just hey, that's just like five o'clock to me. Sure. Right? So I went and picked up Burton. Well, the band he and the band talk a lot, so that he thought driver's coming after him. So he assumed it was the same driver, right? So he gets in the car with me, and uh, I had to hold this little sign. I forgot what it said. R. Crump or something. It wasn't his name, but I knew what he looked like anyway. You know, so I picked him up and get him in the car. And he's saying, I'm so excited about playing down there. I've been looking this place up on, on the Internet. And he said, man, this looks really cool and blah, blah, blah. He's still talking to me like a driver. I'm not going to tell him. Yeah. You know? no, I, just, I just kept it up. I took him down to, I think it was Hotel Phillips or whatever he was staying at. And then so the next day he does his show. It's an incredible show. I mean, have you ever seen a, guest, a real Guess Who show? He did every song a Guess Who ever thought yeah. about plus morning. You know, he did uh, some Buddy Holly and stuff like that. But at the end of the night, I went back there and, and was taking pictures with him. I heard him tell his manager said, he wrote a really cool thing on the wall. You know, this great place and knucklehead rocks and uh, crack Canadian uh, band or something. I don't know, it was where what he wrote, but it was kind of cool. And he signed to Burton says so I went back there and, and got pictures picture taken with him. And he he told his tour manager, he goes, I want to see the owner, get the owner out of here. He says, you just took a picture with him. And he goes, no, that's the he's That's the driver? A driver. <laughs> he goes. No, and it's not really. It's the driver's over there at the white right here. This is <laughs> the bald-headed guy's owner. <laughs> so I thought that was
1: funny. Again, uh, we're hanging out with Frank Hicks this week, everybody. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it as much as we are. This is definitely the longest we've ever gone without playing a song on the show. So why don't we do that? Uh, you would mentioned one of the favorite shows you ever booked was Merle Haggard. Mm-hmm. And, of course, passed away uh, not too long ago. Um, I looked up and I saw from that set list the last song he played there of his encore was okie from muskogee that show was on uh, august 30th 2012 uh, 2012 he passed away april 6 2016 and he did play kansas city one more time after that before he passed
2: but i wanted to play okie from muskogee you want to say anything about that show i love the show It was really a cool show and it was like you know you're staying in a presence you know you got somebody like merle haggard i mean God, you're sitting there going, this kind of your mouth open, going, uh, Merle Haggard's on my stage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it was really cool. I mean, He, he did nothing wrong. It, but the thing on his rider, I got to tell you, this thing on his rider, nobody could get on stage. And nobody could touch him. So, you know, Merle. Yeah. Merle's a big guy. He's standing there at the at the uh, edge of stage. And some drunk lady got up on stage. And I don't know how she got past Merle.
0: Not Merle Haggard, but Merle. No Merle, ahead, my, Merle. Yeah,
2: my Merle. The <laughs> polar <laughs> bear-sized door. Merle Zool. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so... Merle, I never seen him move this fast. Well, he got, and she just ready to get a hold of him, and he grabbed her from behind. And, and he, there's videos of it on YouTube. <laughs> and Merle's looking, Merle Haggard's looking around like, the hell.
1: <laughs> well, so here's some music from Merle Haggard. Uh, the song is "Okie from Muskogee." Came out in 1969. Here you go.
3: We don't smoke marijuana in Muskogee We don't take our trips on LSD We don't burn our draft cars down on Main Street Cause we like living right and being free We don't make party out of loving But we like holding hands and pitching woo We don't let our hair grow long and shaggy Like the hippies out in San Francisco do I'm proud to be an Okie from a stogie. A place where even squares can have a ball We still wave old glory down at the courthouse And white lightning still the biggest thrill of all Leather boots are still in style for manly footwear Beads and Roman sandals won't be seen And football's still the roughest thing on campus And the kids here still respect the college dean. I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee A place where even squares can have a ball We still wave old glory down at the courthouse White lightning still, the biggest thrill of all And white lightning still Biggest thrill of all, in the of
4: Oklahoma's USA.
1: One of Frank's favorites, that's Okie from Muskogee by the great Moral Haggard. Listen, sir, overlapping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're hanging out this week <laughs> with uh, Frank Hicks, uh, who is a great man behind Knuckleheads, a great venue here in Kansas City, down in the East Bottoms. If you have never been, it's been there since 2004. You got four stages now.
2: What's well, actually been there longer than that. 2001, we actually became legal after the kids got oh, right? the beer.
1: 2001, you've been there.
2: And we so, started doing local bands then. We had a little stage over in the corner, and it was about the size of this desk. Four stages,
1: a new one coming soon. Yes. Uh, so many shows a week. This Saturday, they've got Los Lobos and Los Lonely Boys hanging out. Uh, this uh, On uh, next Sunday night, I'm excited about the Weepies are coming through. Um, but I just want to talk some more, so we're going to not play so much music and just keep talking um i asked last week, and this is a fun question to ask a promoter <clears throat> if there's a band out there that you've tried and it just hasn't worked yet and it sort of eludes you uh, you're maybe still working on or maybe giving up on
2: well when you say eludes there's two different things that come to my mind one has slipped away and the other was that we've tried and it just doesn't work and we've tried reggae so many times and i just really can't get it to work down there I don't oh know. you mean
1: oh i hear it you. yeah you've yeah. you as a marketing standpoint right. or uh right. is that what uh, you i'm not well, i'm in a band like last week uh mike ducharme his pj Har- was pj harvey how he's tried to book pj harvey before but it, it has never been able to make it work i think you'd mentioned uh
2: georgia satellites well i mentioned no I, because i misunderstood your question because when i booked the georgia satellites i was still new into the business and mm-hmm. didn't know that you need to go to google and find out everybody's still in the if band. everyone, yeah. I think I got one member, maybe two. <laughs> a like, shadow. Uh, Where is Dan Baird? You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the things Lessons you learned, learned as a, as yeah, a young exactly. promoter. Well, knowing that that's what my question is, is there is there somebody out there that you have wanted to have in there that haven't haven't, haven't been able to get in?
2: There, there yeah, There's uh, several people that I've, that I've had that I've, I wanted and couldn't get in. And one of them was Tom Jones. He went to Uptown, and I've been trying to get in for five years. And uh, and then I wanted Roseanne Cash, but, you know, she'd place up at the uh, Folly. And after I went and saw yeah. her up there, she belongs there. I mean, she really – she's not a knucklehead, for, you know. Right. Uh, I think Tom would be fine down at knuckleheads because, you know, he's, he's in his own article one day, he said, bottom line, I'm nothing but a blues singer. You know? Yeah.
1: Uh, We're going to get to him more in a little bit, but that's one person that's on your bucket
2: list to see. You I'm, I'm going to get him one of these days, him and Jackson Brown. You know, he would <laughs> – Yes, there, both of
1: those people are, have been here. I mean, Jackson oh, Brown I know, quite I know a bit. That
2: they've been here quite a bit. Tom uh,
1: Jones was here October
2: fifth at, uh, at uptown, 2016. He B- meet ben Mead and I went up to Jackson Brown's Studio one time.
1: Oh and wow! We had
2: a, I was supposed to have a 20-minute interview with him. But it lasted two and a half hours. That's awesome. And I tried to get him to come. I and mean, he knew about the place because David Lindley plays here all the time. Right. And David's played with him for 47 right. years. And he told me, he so, said, "You know, I just really can't come to your place because." He said, "My career goes up and down, but he said right now I'm at 2,500 to 3,500 seats, and if I come down to a 1,200 seat, there's 1,200 capacity yeah. venue, everybody's going. Well, he's he slipped back down. He can't make it again. But he said, if you ever get a really good benefit, I'm interested in. Said, nobody pays attention to those.
4: <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: So I'm Have working you and on John a benefit. H- I'm working on a benefit. Have you and
1: John Hart ever sat around and talked about Jackson Brown? I know he's a big fan. Yeah, too. it's one of his his favorite everything's. Um, as you're wearing the t shirt, I asked uh, you, you who are you most starstruck by?
2: Well, because we talked about this, and I don't think we, this was on air when we my first actual show that I paid for. I've been to a couple concerts before in my life, but the actual one that I paid to see, that I wanted to see, I was looking forward to, was Bad Dog is Englishman with Joe Cocker and Leon Russell. And I fell in love with Leon Russell there. I mean, long hair, the sunglasses, the top hat, and the plane of piano. Super cool. And if you really study him, Uh, all the stuff he's been on he was a piano player on stranger Than Night*, frank sinatra that's
4: awesome
0: i mean you
2: know you start looking at all the stuff he did beach boys everything and so i was really when i booked him the second time when he finally comes (laughs) when i when i booked him i was kind of like i had to walk him from the bus to the club and it was a very long walk it was really short but it was very long for me because like what do you say to the guy you know and and i'm not the most outgoing person in the world kind of Bashful, and shy a little bit, but wouldn't know that. But, damn. but anyway, uh, you don't shy. sound like it on the radio. You're pretty into this. <laughs> so I, I kept thinking. Uh, so I like two or three times, but he came there. You know, yeah. there's a singer. I don't know if you guys know. He's a country guy named T. Graham Brown. Well, T. Graham Brown came down to Knuckleheads one day, and he'd seen on the marquee. Oh, he got Leon Russell coming back in a couple of weeks or whenever what date was. I said, Yeah. He says, How you like him? I, said, I don't know. I've Never talked to him. You know. So I love his music, but I've never talked to him. So why? I said, man, I, I say something to him. He answers, yep. <laughs> how you doing, Leon? Good. You know, and that's it. You know, that's all you get out. So he goes, Well, and I gotta re- be really careful how I say this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ask him, are you still gigging? Yo, and I won't say what he said. And I said, Man, I can't say that to Leon, you know. But so I, the next time he come, I'm walking to the thing. I thought, well, you know, I got nothing to lose. He's not talking to me anyway, you know. <laughs> so I ask him, and he goes, When was T Grant Brown here? <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm <laughs> going like, man, you know. And so from that point on, we talked all the time. We went to lunch together. It was it was the coolest thing because once you get to know him, he's he really is shy too, too. So. Yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, we went to, to lunch and we talked. And and I remember one time, uh, people thought he was really getting old, but he had polio most of his life. But he was when he was real young and fit, he was good. But as he got older, he started messing with him. We had this little hooper run, kind of like a motorized scooter, and it was always by his bus. I mean, he was in the bus. If the Hoover around was gone, he's gone. So the band was doing a sound check one day, and uh, Leon's gone. I said, where's Where's Leon? Oh, I don't know. He's been gone for a couple of hours. I said, oh, my God, not down in the east bound all these trucks. You <laughs> oh, know, no. I was just I could c- kind of picture it. Leon Russell getting splattered by a truck, <laughs> oh, you know. A little man on Hoover hoop with sunglasses and white hair and a cowboy hat. A truck that hat, was you know? blaring Leon Lee's Russell. Bottom. So he comes, around, he comes around the corner, and he's got this little sack in his hand. And we got to had the most god office restaurant down at uh, the corner. It was, I forgot the name of it, but it was terrible, you know. And uh, Leon kept a little sack. I said, hey. He said, Frank, all these time I've been coming, you, you didn't tell me there's a little cafe down the street. And I go, oh, you didn't really want to eat there, did you? And he goes, well, I got a bacon and tomato sandwich. How bad could they screw that up? <laughs> <laughs> and, again, you are wearing a Leon Russell t-shirt. I and am. He
1: passed away with a show on the books at your venue. Right. Um, and, a few months out i think it was
2: i think it was supposed to be well what happened was he was actually supposed to be there i can't remember the date uh but like may and then he started getting sick with his you know had a heart attack and all that and, uh, so they postponed it to august then august they postponed it to october He never made it you know
1: yeah. uh, i'd also asked you to to rattle off a few names of some of your favorite people in the business you'd mentioned uh, jason edie and ray wiley hubbard and Ray Wiley Hubbard will be here August 26th.
2: You asked me what the nicest people in the business. Yes. And I'll tell you why I said that. It's, I mean, it's crazy. But if you grew up in this business we're in now, as a promoting business, which I say I was, grew up 10 years ago, 15 years what it's been. But, I mean, you go from not knowing anything to really knowing how to be tricked. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jason Eady comes to my place, and he's really just now. I mean, after all these years he's been coming since like two thousand five I think, and just now starting to get the the recognition he knows he can roll in the stones over some i mean he's going to he's really got a bunch of books on date high good shows and all that but he come to the show and he had uh i don't know four or five guys with him, and he saw that we had no uh no crowd and I don't remember what I paid him i think I really think it was like four hundred dollars' something wow. like that, you know. And so he set over and started counting the money. I thought, well, maybe you don't think I counted it right or something. He brought me back 360 of it, or 340. He goes, all I need is enough money to get down the road. You l- I don't want you losing the money on me. Oh. Wow. And I thought, man, n- nobody does that. Yeah. George <laughs> George's satellite sure didn't do that. But, you know. <laughs> but he did that, and I thought, man, it's, we've been friends forever. I go down. I went to his wedding. Wow. Um, we've been really good friends for a long time, and right now he's really getting popular. Yeah, and he's the Americana Red Dirt type music. But
1: Why don't uh, we play a song from him? Okay. Uh, again, if you're just tuning in, you need to go back and listen to the podcast when it posts later tonight because this is a good one, everybody. We've been hanging out with Frank, Hick, Frank Hicks of Knuckleheads. Uh, we're going to play music from one of the people he says is the, the nicest guy in his business, uh, Jason Eady. The song is called Okay Whiskey. It's from 2014 from his record Daylight and Dark. I picked it because it's got a Kansas City name check in it. Here it is.
5: City. I've been drinking at this bar for an hour now Feeling all filled up, that's the only thing I'm feeling And I remember where I am, I see the problem now It's whiskey or nothing up in Oklahoma the beer up here, it just home new. Do, do, do Line them up, bartender, it don't have to be your finest Okay, whiskey treats me better than that old 3-2 Texas but I didn't make good time so I slammed a cold one back then another then another oh my god oh I forgot I gotta get a little shine it's whiskey nothing nothing up in Oklahoma beer up here it just won't do 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 line I'm a bartender it don't have to be your finest okay whiskey treats me better than that old Round with whiskey and that okay. See, whiskey or nothing, up in Oklahoma, beer up here, it just won't do. Blind, do, do. I'm a bartender, it don't have to be your finest. Okay, whiskey treats me better.
2: Kemper Museum of Contemporary Art at 4420 Warwick Boulevard, in support of the bridge, presents Magnetic Fields, Expanding American Abstraction, 1960s to Today. The first U.S. museum exhibition dedicated exclusively to the formal and historical dialogue of abstraction by women artists of color. The exhibition is on view now through September the 17th. More information available at KemperArt.org. Kemper Museum of Contemporary Art. Three locations,
1: one museum. That was music from Jason Eady. The song was called "Okay Whiskey." Came out in 2014 on his record "Daylight and Dark." Uh, this is a special week on the show. Uh, me and Sarah are definitely loving every second of it. We're hanging out with the great Frank Hicks, who owns, runs, books, pretty much lives at Knuckleheads. Best stories. tried to
2: get my wife to move down, but she won't do it. That <laughs> oh <my laughs> could just crawl up the Yeah, there's <laughs> probably a reason.
0: she's like, then I'll really never see you. <laughs>
2: Plenty of places <laughs> to set up a little bed.
1: That's why I said, too. You know, hey. it we, does, don't need, we don't need to make green rooms. You do have <laughs> some room. of the yeah. nicest accommodations down I there, do. for sure, and in I've, your green rooms. When I've
0: talked to bands, seriously, they say, man, the like, green room, because it feels like home. It's like you've got a good place to chill. We could do our laundry. The like, washer so, and dryer. so awesome. Right
1: backstage for everybody. Yeah. you got a, a living room and a kitchen. Really for them thinking about in. the
0: band, and that's awesome.
1: Thank you. Um, but we played the music of Jason Edey, because you said he's one of the nicest guys you've ever he met, is. and you just explained before the break there that... He played a show that didn't do so well, and he, he gave you the money back, mm-hmm. and he just wanted enough to fill his gas tank and get on the road. Which I, I would love a few of those moments in my life where I booked something, yeah, where I booked something and it didn't do well, and I uh, I just want the gas money, kid. I'd love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we're still talking. This is Promoter Month here on the show, and we're hanging out with different promoters every week um, to get to some more questions. Uh, everyone always likes to talk about writers. Uh, and I'd ask you a couple of the silliest rider demands you've ever had.
2: Well, one of them, uh, several, and that's not several, but it's more than one. Ask for tube socks. Like Everybody asks for socks. Tubes, and I and I asked a guy. One time ask for, I went to him. of course, I don't buy those. I'm, I refuse to buy them. And American spirits, any kind of cigarettes or cigars, and all that, you know. But I asked the guy. I said, "Why do you ask? Why do you always ask for tube socks?" He said, "Well, we're on the road, and he goes, I wear a pair, and I throw them away and get a new pair, you know." I said, that bus don't stop at Walmart. <laughs> 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 but the other, the other uh, writer is a really simple writer. Amy LaVera's got the most simplest writer. But she, at the bottom of she goes, if you really love me, I'd like to have a pony. <laughs> <laughs> so every time she comes there, and she came there last week it opened for the Sun Williams. But every, every time she comes there, my, either my wife or mostly Julie in the, in the shirt shop – she goes and buys some, some kind of a pony. Oh, that's so, adorable. So that somebody made one out of towels that they put it in their dressing room for her. Here's your pony.
0: <laughs> I love Amy LeMere,
1: man. I'd asked you what's the best and craziest story that you can tell us, and you name drop Leon Russell, Rodney Crowell, and Johnny Cash in one sentence. And at this point, I, I'll just to reset, we're hanging out with Frank Hicks from Knuckleheads, but I want to hear this story, and I'm going to sit back. Uh, me and okay, I already told
2: you, Leon. So here's the deal with uh, with uh, Johnny Cash. If you've been down to a place, i got this great big uh, poster of Johnny Cash flipping people off, right? Yeah. And one time, they used to be on the stage. And so I'll tell you a story why it's not there. No, but Rodney <laughs> Crow came in. And he's doing his show. and he's I think it was a book signing thing. and Anyway, he was telling the stories. And he used to be Johnny Cash's son-in-law. He was married to Roseanne. And he said back in, I think he said 78, 79. I might get that mixed up but anyway whatever year it was he said I was at Johnny's house and I was drinking and I ran out of whiskey and Johnny just bought a brand new Cadillac convertible I said Johnny can I take your car to the store he says yes so Johnny lives at, I guess some kind of like a log cabin type thing or something but it's got a real winding driveway so Rodney said I was just you know flooring it down through just seeing what to do he's going fast and drunk you know he hit a tree at the end of it totaled up and he goes and he's sitting there doing his story he goes Turn around and say, I think he's still mad at me. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's on the wall flipping them off. <laughs> and, and the other crazy story was Nick Lowe played there uh, a couple of years ago. And I'd had, uh, I can't remember the other guy, somebody else had been married to one of the Cash girls, or Carter girls. And so Nick Lowe had been married to Carlene Carter. And I so I think I had all the uh, son-in-laws of Johnny Cash. And I goes, all hundred? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but he sa- he did say something. Nick Lowe said something that... If, you got, if Johnny liked you and you put your feet underneath his table, no matter if the girl kicked you out or what, you're still welcome to Johnny's house. Aww. And the other story was, and this goes back to the same picture on the wall. After that happened, I was kind of like, maybe I should take that down. Well, I hired the Tennessee 3, which is Johnny Cash's original band. And you're know, talking about Starstruck. Well, with Leon, it was Starstruck. But this here, a big bus pulls in. And it says, House of Cash, Henderson, Tennessee on the door. And on the back of it they're backing up said JC One, it's Johnny Cash's bus. I go, man, you know. It was just kinda like, here you are, man. here's something like yeah. this was never gonna happen, but it's as close as you're gonna get, right? Right. Because Johnny was already dead. And uh, the guys come in, Bill Wooten, and if you turn your back to him, they sound exactly like Johnny Cash. I said, How can you sound like a, a Johnny Cash so much? He goes, You play with a guy for forty two years, you you know, you know everything he does and how he sounds. And I said, How'd you get the bus? He says, When he when Johnny Cash retired, he called him in the office. And the keys and said you guys are still going to go make it because you're still young i'm retiring take the bus just give it to him. that's awesome yeah you know, i don't know what buses causing P- for sure it's probably made close to a million you know yeah but.
1: well an- another person i asked uh you mentioned when i asked about as far as bucket lists go you meant you mentioned Smokey robinson mm-hmm. and um i had checked on his dates october 2005. So next time either of those guys come through town, I'm going to make sure that somebody gives you tickets to see them play. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was the, the best and craziest. I asked you, what are you listening to now? Um, how do you how do you keep up with what's going on to know what to continue to book?
2: Well, it's crazy. There's no really rhyme and reason to it. I listen to the bands. Like the other day, I was listening to uh, uh, Sirius Radio, and mm-hmm. they had a guy named Alex Wilson. Williams, Alex Williams. And I really liked him. I really liked him. And I got on his website. No, and some of these artists, I have no clue, but I did, he didn't have no way to contact him at all. Wow. Oh, yeah. So I dug a little farther and found out who the record company was. So I contacted the record company. They, they gave me another contact. And about three days later, I finally got how to get a hold of him. And now we're still trying to book him. But it's stuff like that. I just hear something that it's not so much that I like it, I have Merle Zool, my big Merle. Sure. He told me a story a long Merle time Merle was ago. the door guy, the security guy, guy. yeah. yeah and uh, we was going through all this, like, why don't some shows, what deludes you? What, why don't some shows work here and why do some and all that? Right. And, and Merle says, you ever watch Joe Dirt? I said, yeah. I <laughs> couldn't really make it all the way through it, but I watched it. He goes, <laughs> he goes, well, Joe always had this thing that I always remember. It's not what you like, Joe. It's what they like, you know? That's so, real. So that I is listen, real. So I listened to something, and even if I'm not really – that big a fan of it but if, if i think it's something that the folks in kansas city would like to come and see or hear right i'm gonna try to book it you know yeah that's
4: sound advice
1: well this could go on for days uh I, I i'm so happy hour, i'm so yeah. happy you came in um we have the kids from mess that are going to come in in a second but uh we're gonna have to do this again absolutely because it's it's so it's so you, you have so many stories and it's such a great venue with so many stories as well but uh, i wanted to play a song from johnny cash it's a version of a song I didn't know existed, but it was recorded in 1989. Johnny Cash singing "I Won't Back Down" with Tom Petty. Uh, I thought it'd be a nice mix-up for the show, and it's short. Um, thanks for coming in. Thank you, Frank. Thanks so for much. Me. And uh, definitely, we'll do it again. And uh, if you haven't yet, this Saturday, Los
2: Lobos, Los Lonely Boys. Any other shows you want to talk about, real quick? Well, we got the Magpie Salute. It's most people don't know who that is, but it's the Black Crows with everybody but Chris Robinson. Oh wow! Yeah. When's that? It's uh. Soon 15th of uh, October You can follow Knuckleheads
1: on Instagram On Facebook And on Twitter And uh, go to shows there folks it's, it's, it's such a great venue And thank you so much Frank for coming in Hey thanks for asking me Absolutely We're gonna go out with some music from Johnny Cash Covering a uh, Tom Petty song Here it is Well I want
6: back No, I won't back down You can stand me up at the gates of hell But I won't back down Gonna stand my ground Won't be turned around And I'll keep this world from dragging me down Well, I know what's right I got just one life In a world that keeps on pushing me around But I stand my ground And I won't back down Hey, baby There ain't no easy way out Hey, I will stand my ground And I won't back down No, I won't back down
1: Was brand new music from a band from kansas city named mess the song is called soak it's from their brand new ep which comes out this weekend this saturday at the big ep release show uh, the song the record is called hearts with holes and uh, the release show is at the brand new venue just north of the river here in kansas city called the rhino uh which is a great place to catch a show i'm excited to see these guys on saturday they're joining us now in our studio we have uh frank was here and he took off and so we grabbed these kids from the alley and they, they happen to be standing out there, and we thought we'd have them come in. Uh, we're joined by Kevin. It's not
0: really Mess, it's just some kids from an alley <laughs> pretending to be Mess. Yes, we they should. have t-shirts
1: on that say Mess. Uh, Kevin, Tanner, and Allison, which are three-fourths of the band, Mess, hanging out with us to talk about this release show coming up Saturday at the Rhino. Thanks for coming in, everyone. Yeah, thanks for bringing thanks. us in from the alley. Um, I was telling Allison uh, during the song there how a long time ago, uh, and not that you're an older person, you're very young, <laughs> but probably a couple years ago, you were promoting a show on your, I think your personal Facebook, and I had screenshot it thinking, and I have this folder, that's like uh, work on later folder. Um, and I added that to that because I wanted to hear your music more. And then time passes, and then you played middle of the map this year. And I was like, oh, that's that's that girl. I can <laughs> delete that file now <laughs> because we've, we've worked together. But so now you have this project mess. Brand new EP coming out. Tell us about the EP. Where'd you record it at? Yeah, we recorded Bird Cloud Recording. It's a place in Edwardsville, Illinois,
7: um, which seems very random. Uh, We shopped around for quite a while looking for kind of the right person. To, uh, to record it, we settled on uh, somebody named Ryan Wasaba.
1: Somebody. He, well, Some, just <laughs> somebody. A guy, he's, uh, he's a cool guy. He was but, in the alley. But, <laughs> yeah,
7: he was, he was just in the alley, and he was like, hey, we'll record your music. But uh, no, he uh, most notably did uh, Foxing's The Albatross, which sure. is one of collectively, I think, our favorite records. And it just so happened, you know, that that everything worked out with that. It's it, his studio is like four and a half hours away. We stayed there for a weekend um, and really lived in it for that whole weekend. Wow. It, it was a great experience. Just yeah. On the so. Couch. Yeah. No. <laughs> showered we, at the YMCA. Uh, showered <laughs> at the YMCA. Yeah. Um, so, one of the best experiences. So we couldn't have been more happy with
1: how that went. You're all very young. I mean, you, you, uh, Allison had some solo stuff that you'd worked on previously. Is this the first band project from? You, Kevin, Tanner, and Allison?
7: Uh, together, are you talking about individually? Individually, or? yeah. Individually, so I played in a band before this, an alternative band called the Yotes. Oh, um, yeah. I remember the Yotes. You love the Yeah, Yotes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but um, that was, it. when I met Allison I was playing in that band and the Yotes were, they played a certain style of music that I didn't connect with as much, mm-hmm. I would say. And so it was cool when I met Allison, we had um, a really similar style of thinking as far as, like, what we wanted from music. Um, and so shortly after I met her, I ended up leaving that band to pursue music yeah. with her.
8: And that show that you were talking about, that solo one, was the only solo show that I ever did.
7: Is that
1: right?
8: And it and was opening somewhere. for the Oats. Yeah, I, Kevin was like, yeah, I'll just, like play with you play both, yeah. and then yeah it's shifted a lot since
1: then yeah but. a couple of years ago i i just made a, a real focused effort to like try and find the new young talent like to, to, to try and play on the radio and we were playing a lot of it yeah. a lot of real young bands and i think that must have been what sparked that but tanner were you in any other projects yeah i was in a band called the summit and we were together for a couple of years i remember the summit yeah 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 and then this that was your first and only right. solo I, gig and yeah, now this I've is never your project done,
8: like any band stuff before this so yeah. it was a definite learning
7: curve i I met Allison <laughs> playing like open mic nights like is she right? would just hang out and play her ukulele and I was like wow <laughs> she's got a really great voice do you want to hang out
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. so how as far as songwriting goes then is it a group a group effort or is it your stories Allison
8: um so lyrically I write the lyrics um and it kind of at this point since it's so new to me especially uh we've tried out a different ways to write what we think works best is kind of i i write better when i have lyrics and music at the same time instead of one or the other before so i'll like build a very very loose kind of infrastructure and then everybody will build off of that right. i think that works right. the best
7: no stems from from one idea and then sure. it right. it takes on a whole new
1: life by the time it's at its finished point right um again we're hanging out with the band Mess. they have a big ep release show coming up this saturday up at the brand new venue north of the river called the rhino uh, we can't say prices on the radio, but it's cheap to get in, and then I'm sure you'll have copies of your EP available there. Definitely. Uh, actually, just we got really excited
7: because we just got our vinyl pressing the other um, day. We did. Uh, I saw the clear. Yeah, we did lathe cuts through Little Elephant. Um, so not like a Little Elephant session, but like they started this whole lathe cut thing where you can do like a really limited run of vinyls. So we did. We did twenty. We're 20. keeping five for us, <laughs> and then uh, we'll have fifteen for sale. And it's really great because we have you know like we have album artwork and whatnot but sure. for this uh, we actually just did like custom vinyl jackets and so they're all like hand done and we
1: stuffed them with a bunch of love nice. and so we we're like super kind of nerding out about it right. a little bit. <laughs> also on the bill is uh, another young band from Kansas City named Counterculture, and then Chloe Jacobson and Chloe got a little love on Spotify right? Didn't she get uh, hop on some Spotify playlist and had a pretty good spin on You this? know, I hope she did, because yeah. she's incredible. Yeah. so And she played Middle of the Map this past year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that's that when we found f- her. Yeah, because oh, she nice.
7: played the Playlist Play stage, and our friends Nick and Savannah from Playlist Play um, were like, you have to see Chloe
1: Jacobson. That makes me happy that oh, yeah. band love yeah oh, Yeah, we
8: talk about Chloe Jacobson like, at least oh, once yeah. every time we see
1: you yeah. Oh yeah. I know I was at the Julian Baker show on uh, wow. Saturday night down in Lawrence where I, I know Kevin was there. Right? I was also there. there. I missed you. Yeah. <laughs> what a show. What
2: a oh, show.
7: My God. A big influence <laughs> for us personally <laughs> right, yeah. and so it was uh, it was great. Twenty one years show. old,
1: it's, yeah. tiny, tiny person. I know. Just ridiculous I know. vocals. And uh, I can't imagine the, the trials that that young woman has already been through to have mm-hmm. knocked out that record mm-hmm. in 2015 at 18 and 19 years old. Um, how many songs are on the record? Five. Five. So we, we will have played two of them. Right. And Sarah's given me that, that signal <laughs> time Yeah to check <laughs> we're just, out. We're just getting a little close. Again, yeah. thanks for coming in this week. Sorry we didn't have more time to give the whole segment to it. We'd had the show booked and – your, your buddy, Stephen Irvine shook me down to have you guys come on the show. <laughs> and it's good, good music. Oh. But we've been hanging out with Kevin, Tanner, and Allison from Mess. Their show is this Saturday up at the Rhino. We're going to go out with the song Bloodlines from their brand-new record, Hearts with Holes. Thanks again for coming in, everybody. They yes. appreciate so it. Just, thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. And then next week, more on Promoter Month. Thanks.